The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. When he found out, my dad, he sat me down and made me choose between him and Christ. And I always say, man, everything in me wanted to say, forget it. Uh, I'll be a Muslim because I didn't want to lose my dad. But I was surprised, and I believe it was the power of God speaking through me when I said, Dad, if I have to choose between you and Jesus, then I choose Jesus. Raised in an Iranian Muslim family, Afshin Zirafat truly denied his life to follow Christ. A powerful story of personal sacrifice, next on Life Today. Feel good, <laughs> and you too. I'm, I'm glad you welcomed us in your home. And I know some of you say, because I know you've told me when I meet you, I'm so glad you can't see me when I'm watching you. Because some of you watch us early in the morning, or maybe late in the evening. We come on throughout the day, all over the world, and I don't, I don't know what you're doing or how you're dressed or what's going <laughs> on. But thanks for welcoming me, James Robinson, and Betty into your home life today. I don't know how many of you focus on the Middle East situation and the tension that's there. Uh, I, I don't know how you uh, address the pressure there and the tension and division and the danger and what seems to be hostility and animosity and oftentimes unparalleled not only tension but hatred, danger. How do you pray for people in the Middle East? How do you pray for people of another faith? How do you pray for people who are part of Islam there? of the Muslim faith. Well, I pray that God will appear somehow to those who he gave his life to redeem, gave his son to die to redeem, that somehow they might see that. They might understand the reality of it. And here's what I'm, I'm positive of. The message of truth, transforming truth, gospel truth, has to be delivered in love. And it has to be genuine love, the love of God. Well, we have someone from Iran here who was, when his family was away from Iran, he was born here uh, in the state of Texas. And his family went back to Iran, and then a crisis and hostage situation erupted, and basically they came back to a haven of security. And you got to believe not only acceptance, but love possibly, but they were Muslims, committed Muslims. Well, I want you to meet Afshin Ziafat. He's a pastor of a church called Providence Church in Frisco. I think it's important that we realize our nation was founded with the guidance of divine providence. This church named Providence is rightly named because that divine providence reached a Muslim, reached Afshin. Would you welcome him to life today right here in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex? Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Pastor Thank you. in Frisco, 
Yes, sir. Which yeah. is north, and uh, yeah. that used to just be nothing out there, just 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 dirt, just <laughs> yes. now, fields. And, and you've got a lot of people going to your church. Yeah, it's uh, the whole area is booming. Yeah, we've been blessed. I've been there about almost eight years, and uh, we've actually planted two churches and are planting a third uh, this fall. So we're really excited about That's that. Great. Yeah, and you're still a pretty young guy. Uh, sort of, yes, yes. We look younger though, Persians. Give me some of that, will you? Yeah. Okay, tell us your story. Okay. Because you were, were born here, I think, did you leave to go back over there when you were like two? Two, yes. And then came back here. Yes. How old were you when you came back? I was six, and, and the revolution hit in that country, the Islamic mm -hmm. Revolution, when the Ayatollah overthrew the Shah, right, the king right. of Iran. Very much aware of what was going on. Yes. Very yeah. tense time. Very tense time. And my dad, in fact, we left 10 days before the Shah escaped, and we, we came back, and uh, not so much that my dad was pro-Shah necessarily, but he just wanted us to be in a more secure environment. He could see there was danger. Yes. He could see the lack of uh, security yeah. was a reality. Yes. And he knew it would be best to get his family out. Exactly. And yeah. did he feel like he'd be safe here? Yes, he did. Was yeah. there much tension toward the Iranians then or not as much? Yes. There, well, we thought we thought we were coming into a place that was going to be more secure. But then shortly after, the the hostage crisis that you referred to happened. And, and so now it was not really easy to be from Iran living in America. So on the radio, they well, you're took... You're just a little kid. Did oh, you yeah. feel like you were, you know, Iranian? Uh, oh, yeah. In fact, my, my dad would say, don't say you're from Iran. And he was really worried about us. And on the radio, they took that... Uh, Beach Boys song Barbara Ann and they changed it to Bomb Iran <laughs> and so everyone's talking about and we had rocks thrown through our window uh, in Houston because we were from Iran. My parents' cars, tires would be slashed. So I throw, I say all that not to throw a pity party but just to say man it was a, it was a very hostile time uh, and and so I'm, I'm thankful that there was a Christian lady who intersected my life. How? And she was my tutor, and she was uh, basically teaching me English uh, as a second language every day after By the school. Way, you learned it well. Yeah. Oh, thank you. You, well, you may have more Texas twang than Iranian twang. <laughs> Middle Eastern. That's true. Yeah. yeah okay. Well, I guess the credit goes to, yeah, to, to her. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay, so yeah. my family didn't know she was Christian, and they were paying her. Basically, she'd meet with me every day after school, reading me books. And in the second grade, she came up to me and said, "Afshin, I've been reading you all these books. Now I want to hand you the most important book you'll ever get uh, in your life." Uh, and she handed me a New Testament. And she said, you're not going to understand this today, but promise me that you'll hold on to it and read it when you're older. Mm. And so I took that New Testament home, threw it in my house. Your and, parents didn't notice it or did they? Uh, they didn't, no. <laughs> okay. And, you know, the only reason I took it is, I would say, is because she earned the right to be heard by me. And she earned my ear by the way she was loving me. You thought she actually cared about you? Yes. Had anyone else given it to me, I would have probably thrown it away. Mm -hmm. But since it came from the one lady who loved me, I said it must be important. <laughs> and so, no, my parents didn't know. In fact, my dad was the president of the Islamic Medical Society in Houston. He was a very prominent Muslim doctor there in Houston. So I grew up being you know, taught that Jesus was just a prophet and the five pillars of faith of Islam and that if I was good enough, then maybe I get to heaven. Mm. So my senior year in high school, I became curious about the person of Jesus through various things that happened and God put that New Testament on my mind. And I went all over my room and I found it at the bottom of my closet. If you can believe this, after 10 years, I found that New Testament <laughs> sitting waiting for me. Mm. And I open it up, first book of the New Testament, Matthew starts off, a record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, son of David, son of Abraham. Being a Muslim, I knew Abraham, so that kind of drew me in. And I read the whole book of Matthew in one sitting. Now, I didn't understand it all, but every night I'd keep reading under the covers with a flashlight so my parents wouldn't walk in and figure out what would happen. And wow. I think 
when my life really changed was when I got to the book of Romans mm. and I started reading about a righteousness that comes apart from the law, meaning apart from what I do for God, <laughs> and that it's a righteousness that comes through faith in Jesus Christ wow. to all who believe. That's Romans 3.22. Everyone... You are preaching yeah. great right now. <laughs> no, I mean, it yeah. is powerful well, and it is profound yeah. because you're not just saying words. Mm. You're speaking those words that the life that, yeah. that really fills those words. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it, for me, it was. It was life because that, especially everyone knows the next verse, Romans 3.23, uh, all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. That 3.22 nailed me because it says, to all who believe. Mm. See, I thought I, you're a Christian because you're from America. I'm a Muslim because I'm from Iran, but that's it for anyone. Christ came for all the nations, anyone who believes. And so uh, two weeks after that, I'm sitting at an evangelistic crusade when I, I mean, sorry, I was sitting at a football practice when I was invited to an evangelistic crusade. <laughs> okay. And the only reason I went was because there was free pizza offered at this crusade. <laughs> cool. So I went and heard the gospel and gave my life to Christ that day. Wow. wow. And did yeah. you know something happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. did it happen enough that you were able to talk about it? Well, you know, no, I'm driving home from that uh, evangelistic meeting and it hits me. What am I going to tell my father? You know, nobody sat down and told me, you know, there's a cost to following Christ. You know, Jesus says, if anyone wants to follow me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. And so I didn't really understand uh, the cost of discipleship. And um, it hit me like a ton of bricks. What am I going to tell my dad? And I'm ashamed to say this, but for about a year and a half, I would sneak out to go to church. I would mm. hide my Bible, intercept mail from the church I was attending. Mm. And then finally one day my dad found out. So when he found out, my dad, he sat me down and made me choose mm. between him and Christ. And I always say, man, everything in me wanted to say, forget it. Uh, I'll be a Muslim because I didn't want to lose my dad. And I share that so you know I'm not boasting. Because even and I was... Your dad was a guy you, you, could, you could be yeah. proud of too because oh, he's yeah. successful, right? Successful and loved us. And I always wanted to be a dad like him, you know. And so um, he's, so everything in me, but I was surprised. And I believe it was the power of God speaking through me when I said, Dad, if I have to choose between you and Jesus, then I choose Jesus. Wow. And if I have to choose between my earthly father and my heavenly father, then I choose my heavenly father. Wow. And so my father disowns me and probably the definitive moment of my life was when I went upstairs to my room, very honestly said, God, how could you do this to me? Mm. And the Lord spoke to my heart, said, open your word, open the word, excuse me. And I turned to Matthew 10, where Jesus says, Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge him before mm. my Father in heaven. Mm. But whoever disowns me, I'll disown him. Then he goes on to say, remember, I'm reading this right after my dad disowned <laughs> me. Then he goes on to say, do not suppose I've come to bring peace to the earth. I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword, for I've come to turn a man against his father. Mm. And I'm mm. going, whoa, mm. yeah. this just happened mm. for me. You know, a daughter against her mother. Mm. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And so what I really understood, it's not that God hates the family and wants to tear up the family. It's that even that precious relationship of a family should not come between you and following Jesus. What kind of family do you have now? Um, I have a beautiful wife, Meredith, and uh, two girls, Elise and Ansley, and I have a, my first son on the way next uh, month. In fact, uh, what's really cool, I'm preaching Genesis at my church, going through the life of Abraham. My dad's name is Abraham, Abraham. And, you know, Abraham had two sons, Isaac and Ishmael. And, you know, obviously, obviously. through the line of sure. Isaac, you get mm -hmm. Christ. And so I'm naming my son Isaac uh, because it tells the story of, yes, from my dad to me that the line of Christ. I'm going to pause. Go ahead, Dave. Excuse now, how me. How is your relationship with your 
parents you know. Yeah, you know, I, I would say this, if I, before I say that yeah. real quickly, because I want to be very quick to say, because my story isn't about, hey, look at me and how faithful I was. Mm-hmm. Um, my story is about, look how faithful God yes, was. Yes. Exactly. So when I lost my life, uh, when I say lost my life, let go sure. of my dad. Mm-hmm. And, right. and The life you uh, had. Yeah. yeah, and the dream was for me to go and be a doctor, and he was going to pay for my entire medical school, and sure. I was going to take over his practice and be set. God called me into ministry. I had $4 in my pocket, didn't have a job, mm-hmm. and the Lord provided a free place for me to stay. Somebody paid for my seminary degree. Uh, wow. Doors open for me. And to, that's love. Yes, <laughs> yes. And and doors open for me to. I was at, at Jack Graham's intern at Prestonwood, <laughs> um, and then from there, love the, you, Jack. <laughs> from there, the Lord opened the door for me to travel all over and preach for about 13 years. But what's cool is. Um, all of that's great, but then my relationship with my dad was restored. Um, and he's not a Christian yet. We're still praying for that. <laughs> but four years ago, I was preaching down in Houston, and my dad actually came in and heard me preach. And it was the message was John 19, it is finished, where I preached what Christ finished for us on the cross. So he heard the gospel. <laughs> is, is your mom your mom and dad still together? My parents divorced when I was two. That was the impetus for us to go back, actually. Okay. So my mom, yeah. But he's here. Dad, yes. is he married again? Yes, and my stepmom. And they, is his wife Muslim? Yes. Okay, right when Betty asked the question, which was so totally appropriate in the whole discussion that followed, is I just wanted to pause and, and I wanted to look at, at Dad, Abraham? Yeah, Abraham. Abraham? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I just really felt impressed. Let me say this to you. You really ought to be proud of this boy because it really took something very great and very special because he has so much love and admiration for you. And, sir, you deserve that love and that admiration. I want to thank you for going to listen to him. And I just want to say to you, sir, you're so very special. I have a special kid here, special grandkids. And and we'd just really like for you to know that the Jesus that you do respect was so much more than a prophet because he said, I'm the way, Mm. the truth, and the life. And I'm just full of life and love and truth for you. So we care about you. Mm. We care about everybody that is a whole part of your kinship and your race. And we just want the arms of God around you. Because I'm going to tell you something. God gave you your mind and your ability. And you recognize greatness and greatness is sitting there and found the ultimate greatness. And we love you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Jesus. God blesses me. Just touch the whole family. Okay, tell us what else is on your heart, because we love it. <laughs> well, I just, how, how do we help the Islamic people? Yeah, I, I think that the, the greatest thing is, is um, at the end of the day, Muslims, I, I believe, need to really know what love is. That love is um, only love if it's given freely. And that's why my favorite verse as a former Muslim is Romans 5a, that God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. See, Islam, like every other workspace religion, at the end of the day is driven by fear, that if I'm not good enough, I'm not going to heaven, I'm going to hell. But most Muslims would say to me, well, why would a Christian live for God if he's already done the work? And all you have to do is believe, that's it? Well, they, first of all, don't understand when you get the grace of God, when you get the love of the God. The grace of God gets you. Yes. Love your heart, gets your heart. you. Love doesn't yeah. fail. That's it, true. It'll capture your heart. That's true. And the Bible says the love of Christ compels us, 2 Corinthians yeah. 5, 14. So I live for God not because 
I'm trying to get something from him, but because he's already loved me when I didn't deserve it. Mm -hmm. And so I would say, at the end of the day, if you have a Muslim in your life, the greatest thing for you to do is to get to know them. Get to know what is it that they are running after in life. Get to know your neighbor, invite them in, uh, be hospitable to them, uh, love them, and earn their ear just like that second grade tutor did for me. Y'all appreciate Afshin. Mm -hmm. You appreciate him. I mean, if you can't see Jesus in him, uh, we got problems. Really, really pleased with you. The name of the church again, Providence? Providence Church, yeah. Frisco. Yeah. And then you have several other churches that are being established. Yes, so we have, we've planted one three. One in McKinney? Yes, one in McKinney, one in North Carolina, and one in uh, Salina. Oh, I'm up. glad you help in North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so. it's a, I 600 citywide crusades. North Carolina, one of the greatest states ever crusaded in. Love you. Mm -hmm. It was just up there for Billy Graham's funeral, you know, not too on back. Mm -hmm. And didn't we see Jesus? Mm -hmm. Love you, North Carolina. Love you and Thank praise you. God for what you're doing. I hope some of the folks will visit your church who can, but I hope they'll all take your counsel to just pour love out on people that we may not understand, may disagree with, may even be concerned about, mm -hmm. but let's pour love all over. Amen. And uh, this is what our viewers do. Uh, we put God's arms of love around the world. And we've done a whole lot to reach out to those who've been devastated in the uh, Middle Eastern countries. I've worked very closely with Samaritan's Purse, Franklin Graham, love yeah. him. Uh, we do everything we can to just share the love of God. That's it. And uh, we're, we're teaching English in Afghanistan and Kurdistan, a lot of other places, reaching out to them, just doing our best to be a blessing. I want to show you something right now. Now, here's what I want you to do. It's kind of like you buckle your spiritual seatbelt and get ready to make a, a kingdom impact that lasts for eternity, but you'll be able to see it. Here, here you're gonna see a need that love meets. And I'd like to think you're getting excited about it. Look what love does. Watch, because I think you're gonna to wanna to release love, transforming, life-saving love. Watch. Angola, Africa. Drought is crushing this land. You see, plants spring from the earth with promise of food, promise of life. But long before they can ever provide any sort of sustenance, they quickly fail and wither back into the earth. This drought has affected the many lives that depend on this food, but it has affected some more than others. The children suffer the worst. Their bodies are not meant to withstand this lack of sustenance. Some will make it. Some will not. Ndawa 
could just see it in her eyes, this, this tremendous loss. And, and if anybody understands this woman's pain, it's you, Betty. If you've lost a daughter, it changes everything. And that's a community that nobody, no one on this earth signs up to join that community. So you understand this woman's pain. This mom, this young, beautiful mom, has done everything she could, but she shouldn't stand alone. We are the body of Christ. We can do something right now in Angola. You maybe even hear some crying babies in the background. There's a lot of children here who are extremely hungry, and a simple bowl of food can change everything. And Betty, you know, obviously, you know so well um, what that's like. And, and as they were, that beautiful mom was talking about her little, her little girl, she said her girl was named Nana. And uh, the daughter that we have in heaven, who has seen her first grandbaby born from heaven watching, <clears throat> her children called you Mimi as a grandmother, and they called Robin's husband's parents, mother, Nana. So I couldn't hear about little Nana and not think about <clears throat> that grandmother, Nana. And you think about the reality of the psalm that the mom was quoting about the shepherd that leads us in green pastures, not drought-stricken croplands where children die like hers. All those little children that you saw being held right there at the first, little precious, pretty little faces, precious little children. You, you know what the mothers holding them were saying? And by the way, they were at a place love established as a last spot to maybe be saved. Malnutrition clinics where they're too weak to even eat food. So you need to understand that love from people like you established those places as the last chance. But here's what you need to hear. This is what everybody must hear, Betty. When the missionaries are talking about the feeding lines and the feeding centers, we have, listen to me, 400,000 children and starving people in those areas, 400,000. Most of the time it'll be 500 or 1,000 or 1,500, sometimes two or 3,000, depending upon the situation. And it's in those areas where we've organized the feeding. And that's where we're asking all of you as our viewers right now, and I'm telling you, the drought's very real. Sheila Walsh is not exaggerating. That mother's heartache and concern was not an exaggeration. That malnutrition clinic is the real deal, and there are many of them. Love provided them. Now, I want to see love provide for those 400,000 children. Now, listen to what I'm saying, and I'm going to start at the top. $100, we can feed 10 children for the next months. 50, we can feed five. We being the missionaries and the workers. 30, we can feed three. If there's any way you can start at the $100 level, do it. Go get your bank card. Go get a checkbook. Go online to the website there or dial that phone number. It's always a prayer line. Now it's a lifeline. Dial the number, please. 
get your bank card and make the best gift you can because you're giving the gift of life. I mean, you're changing everything for a parent, a mother that's praying for a child, for children that just need food. They don't need to get to the malnutrition clinic. It's there for them. Last opportunity. And we've seen miracle after miracle. But we can get them before they head there. And they're headed there if we don't feed them. Could you feed 10? Five or three do it. And, and listen, some of you are blessed enough. You say, James, I can feed 100 of them. I can give $1,000 or more. You know what I believe? I believe you're able to, you'll do it. Because I believe you're moved by love. We have some gifts to send you that are going to really bless you. But you really are giving the greatest blessing. You're giving life. Thank you so much. If you make a check, make it to life. But call us and tell us you're making it. We really need to hear from you today. Lives do depend upon the love of God through you. Thanks for sharing it. In impoverished and drought-stricken areas of Africa, children are suffering. The need is great, and without food, they face severe malnutrition, even death. With your support, Life's Mission Feeding Outreach can save lives by feeding and caring for children in the hardest-hit areas of Angola, Mozambique, and South Sudan. With previous reserves gone and Mission Feeding helping in areas with severe crop failure, we urgently need to replenish our food supplies to reach 400,000 children who are counting on us. Your life-saving gift of $30, $50, or $100 will help feed and care for three, five, or 10 children for three full months. And with your gift of any amount, we'll send you Proverbs Power, Successful Communication. This powerful CD series, along with study guide featuring Stephen K. Scott, unveils the secrets to incredible wisdom found only in the book of Proverbs. This series will give you the tools to transform your relationships in life. With your gift of $100 or more, request the complete Proverbs Power Library featuring five power-packed sessions that include the power of vision, breaking through mediocrity, and much more. Finally, with your gift of $1,000 or more to help feed and care for 100 children, be sure to request the Bridge of Faith framed canvas print by Thomas Kincaid. Please call, write, or make your secure gift online today. I tell you what, Proverbs powers tremendous teaching. You talk about wisdom. Proverbs powers successful communication. We try to send, here's the old library that we want to send you. We've got a beautiful Thomas Kincaid Bridge of Faith painting canvas. We like to say thank you. You know what people tell us, Betty? We appreciate the gifts because they help us grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord. But you don't have to give us anything. We love to give life. Mm -hmm. We love to help people. And I know that, and I want to thank you. But we want to be a blessing to you. I think our guests are a blessing to you. I've seen has been a blessing today. You, uh, you showed us Jesus. Would you all in the audience here agree that I've seen showed us Jesus? Thank you, buddy. Bless you. Bless the church, Providence Church. Thank you so much. Frisco, pray for us. Thanks for watching. Pray for people and love them.
I wish I could do more for Life Outreach International, but I'm saving for retirement. We have a plan that can help you do both. Contact Life Planning Services today. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.